uh, I am would like to well we should open up with a word of prayer and then uh, we're just going to talk because you guys are here to learn how to study the Bible right and um, you know what if I told you that uh, you could have a totally different um, you know attitude a different a new way of Bible study in 90 days how many of you would be excited about that okay let's pray and uh, we'll get started Heavenly Father we uh, come before you at this time just thanking you for your word thanking you for your truth and Lord we just um, ask that you would just tabernacle with us Lord as we look into the deep issues of the word of God. Lord, guide us, give us understanding, and prepare our hearts, Lord, to be transformed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I have uh, two presentations that I'm going to be doing specifically on how to study the Bible. This is the first the second one will be my session tomorrow um, at, I don't remember what time it is. I may not be using this microphone much longer. Um, but the second one will be tomorrow. Um, and uh, what I'm going to do in this presentation today is I'm going to share with you what I believe is the most The most important um, method of Bible study that um, you can po possibly use. What I believe is the most important method of Bible study. Um, I will let you know that. I'm going to try this again. I will let you know that uh, I, I came into the church in 1995 or 96. Yeah, we'll turn that off. In 1995 or 96, and um, for the first five or, five or six years or so, um, I'd remember that I'd go and speak, and as I would go and speak places, uh, people would, would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, Pastor, how long have you been in the church? And I'd tell them, you know, five or six years, and they say, we don't get it. How do you, how do you come up with the, with the things that you've come up with? How do you break open a scripture like that? And uh, I would always point to, uh, you know, techniques, and this is how you do this, this is how you do that. And I had an experience that, that changed the way that I studied the Bible. And I can tell you that the method of Bible study that God eventually taught me um, I would learn more in one session of this particular type of method than I had maybe in all my experience prior. Does that, does that do you follow that? In this method of Bible study, I, I would learn more in one session than um, many sessions that I would, you know, be involved in previous to this. So... As I was contemplating and, you know, realizing I, I had, you know, wanted to share some different things with you and some things happened, I said, you know what, I need to, you know, get at least two studies in with you that deal specifically with this is how you study the Bible. I thought I need to condense this and I want to give it to you so that you could be a new you in 90 days. Anybody want to be a new you in 90 days? A deep, how's this sound? A deeper you in 90 days. That's huh? Okay, there are more chairs are coming in, so uh, for those of you who are standing in the back, just uh, be patient and we'll, we'll get those chairs coming in. Okay, um, I have entitled this, uh, this seminar, The Big Picture of Bible Study. The Big Picture of Bible Study. People have asked me, Pastor, how is it that you, that you find these, these gems in, in the Bible? And, uh, you know, what is the secret? 
What is a secret? How do you, how do you study the Bible? How do you come, uh, how do you get, find these, uh, these gems? And how can I do the same thing? And I would say that, you know, there is a serious problem. Uh, a lot of people face a problem of how to study the scriptures. Let me ask you, do you have that problem? Anybody in here is like, yeah, you know what? I have a real problem. I really want to know how to study the scriptures. And I feel like my mind just, uh, you know, it's just, I don't see those things. And then when I hear someone say it, then I go, ah, how come I didn't see that? Ever had that experience? Yeah? Okay. So, in order for us to find the remedy for this problem, right, uh, we must identify the cause of the problem. And so the question then is, what is the cause of the problem? And I would suggest that the cause is uh, a lack of sensitivity, a lack of sensitivity. The mind is unable to grasp, to see, to sense. Have you ever had the experience, maybe once or twice, or, you know, you're, you're reading the Bible, and you look at a verse, and you know that normally you would have read over the verse, but something said, stay right there. And in your mind, you're like, I sense something here, but I'm not sure what it is. Have you ever gone through that experience in your Bible study? Where it felt like you were on the verge of discovering something a gem? Well, <clears throat> I believe that the problem that many of us have is that we are weak-minded. Now, don't take that offensively. What I mean by weak-minded is that the mind needs to be strengthened in order to be able to grasp spiritual truths. The mind must be strengthened in order to grasp spiritual truths. Um, many of us have what I call a lazy mind <laughs> or a lazy eye. You know, you, we read over things in the scripture and unless it is some truth that jumps right out at us, we're not going to look, we're not going to even think something's there, right? And so we read the scriptures and we wait for something big to jump out and we say, oh, I see that. But very often we're not willing to persevere and do what? S train the mind to focus on a particular verse or thought and actually grasp or try to dig for that gem. And so here's what, Here's what we need to consider. And what I have here is I have a, a, um, uh, some uh, spirit, quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy. Actually, that's all I'm going to be reading today. Quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy that are going to lead us into that precious exercise of Bible study. Something that at first you may be like, oh, you built me up and then this is all you told me? But I guarantee you that if you do this, your Bible study habits, your method of reading the scriptures in 90 days will be totally revolutionized. Are you ready? Listen. Yes. I don't have them in there. It's because I just pulled these quotes together like an hour and a half ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. Um, my church knows this. There are times where, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much always studying the Bible. There are times where it will be Friday night. And I'm like, Lord, you know that tomorrow I have to preach a sermon, right? <laughs> and the Lord, you know, I know. I'm just teaching you to trust me. <laughs> And uh, there have been times where it was 6 o'clock Sabbath morning. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> uh, you know that I do have to preach uh, in just a few hours. And uh, I'll get up there and preach. And people are like, Pastor, how long did you work? Oh, uh, 
um, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know why the Lord has done that with me, but he's done it with me for the last, I don't know, uh, since I've been preaching. Seriously. Like, I've just gotten used to, I mean, you know, trust me, it's, it's, it's a mind-boggling thing. Because, you know, sometimes I have nightmares of getting up in front of people and having nothing to say. <laughs> but uh, the Lord keeps me dependent upon him. Amen? So, anyway, I can get these notes to you, you know, some other way at a later time, uh, if you so choose. But just write them down. Uh, Councils on Health, page 4 or 5. Ellen White says this. Let not intellectual slothfulness close up your path to greater knowledge. Learn to reflect as well as to study. Listen to this. Listen to this now. That your minds may expand, strengthen, and develop. Wow. Wow. Now, maybe you're saying, wow what? Page 405. Wow to what? Ellen White tells us that the mind can expand. I may have to ask you something. If um, I had a cup that was about this big and that wide and said, I am thirsty, would you fill my cup? How much water would you get? This much. But if my cup could expand, right? And now my cup is this big and I say, fill my cup. Are you getting the picture? In other words, we're being told here that the mind has the capacity to expand and to strengthen. Um, anybody lift weights in here or ever lift weights? Okay. You know what it's like. When, you're, when you have a weak muscle, you can't lift. But if you what? If you exercise, what happens to that muscle? It grows and is able to grasp heavy things that it could not grasp before. Are you with me? So think of the mind, if you will, as a muscle. And if we are lazy with the mind, we're not going to be able to grasp heavy things. Right? So how many of you want a mind that is able to grasp heavy things? Yeah. So when you have a mind that is able to grasp heavy things, you can read something in a scripture. And whereas those who are weak minded. Now, remember, I'm not using that term in a derogatory way, the way that you would usually think, oh, you're weak minded. I simply mean unable to grasp heavy truths. If you're reading the Bible, that a person with a weak mind and a person with a exercise mind can read the same verse and the person with the mind that has been exercised can look at that verse and go glory to God and the other person will go what are you what are you talking about right okay so we understand then that look I want to expand or to exercise my mind Notice what else is said here. Review and Herald, September 30, 1890. By dwelling upon the revelation he has made of, of himself, that is Jesus, we may behold something of his greatness and majesty. The more we contemplate his character, the more will our minds be expanded to take in the grand and solemn plan of redemption. So what is the problem? What is the problem? We're not what? Contemplating. We're not contemplating. We want things easy. You know, fast food. Right now, right away, my way. Do I have to work for this? Do I have to contemplate? Do I actually have to spend time thinking? No, I just want to be deep. I just want to get the truth and just, just give it to me. 
But as we expand the mind, as we, as we meditate or contemplate his character, the more our minds will expand. So what should our prayer be? Like the prayer of Jabez, Lord, <laughs> expand, enlarge in my territory. <laughs> right? Because as your territory, as your mind is, is, is uh, exercised, it expands and is then able to take in things that you are not able to see and to understand before. How many of you want to get into this exercise program? Anybody ever heard of P90? <laughs> P90. 90 days. <laughs> To a deeper you. (laughs) Exercising the mind and saying, Lord, expand my mind so that I can have a deeper appreciation for the word of God. Listen to what it says this day with God or gospel workers, page 76. How do we enlarge in the territory? The Bible, she says, should be diligently studied. The truth of God, like gold, is not always lying right on the surface. It is to be obtained only by earnest thought and study. This study will not only store the mind with most valuable knowledge, but will strengthen and expand the mental powers and will give a true estimate of eternal things. Can I share something with you? Most of you probably know that um, I, you know, did not go to school to get an education on how to study the Bible. So as you guys are sitting here asking me, how do you study the Bible? I had nobody to ask. All I could depend upon was who? God and the Bible. That's all I had. Now, I know that I will get myself in trouble because, oh, you didn't go to school. So how could you really be teaching if you don't have a degree in theology? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But what I'm sharing with you is this. If God could teach me how to dig into the Bible, then what do you think he can do with you? Amen. You don't have you can go to school and you can learn through school. Yes, all that. But if you don't have the privilege to go to school for theology, that does not eliminate you from being able to understand the deep things of the word of God. Amen. Amen. So there must be then something available to every person that desires it. You want to go deep? You want to understand the word of God for yourself? There must be something that we can do. And we are learning that that thing is to what? Contemplate. Exercise the mind. In other words, I know we all want to know, well, pastor, what about the usage of words? And what about the concordance? And what about this? Well, I'm telling you, before we'll talk about that tomorrow. But before we get there, there is something way more vital. And we're reading about it here. Expanding the mind. And how do we expand the mind? We just read through the study of the the scriptures. But I want you to notice here, it also goes on to, to talk about, or rather, let me ask this way, how should we expand the mind? How do we, what are we to do while we are contemplating? And I want you to listen to what she says here. Fundamentals of education. Here's what she says. The unfolding of God as represented in Jesus Christ furnishes a theme, a what everyone? A theme that is grand to contemplate. What does it mean grand to contemplate? Grand. What does that word mean? Big. Grand to contemplate. Now, if your mind is like this, 
but this theme is grand, is there a problem? In order for you to grasp that theme, what do you have to do? Think big. No? (laughs) Your mind has to expand. Lord, help me to grasp. She uses the word this theme, these themes. Lord, help my mind to expand so I can grasp these themes. It says the unfolding of God as represented in Jesus Christ furnishes a theme that is grand to to contemplate and that will, if studied, sharpen the mind and elevate and ennoble the faculties. How many of you want a sharper mind? The more you contemplate the themes of the gospel is the sharper the mind will be. You want a sharper mind? Contemplate the grand themes. Page 450. Here is the next one, Councils to Churches, page 207. As a means of intellectual training, the Bible is more effective than any other book or all other books combined. Listen to this. The greatness of its themes. The greatness of its what? Let me ask you something. Do you remember what we've been talking about over the last couple of days? What did we talk about with the great controversy? We talked about the what? The big picture, didn't we? We talked about the theme. Let me ask you, what did we do with that theme? What did we do with the big picture? We saw, we traced the great controversy in a thematic way, right? And what happened? Many of you said, I've never seen it like that before. Why? Because you were studying the what? The theme. Do you feel like your minds, as you were listening, did you feel like your mind was expanding as you were listening? Did you feel like as you were watching the great controversy unfold before your eyes and seeing the theme, maybe for the first time in a connected picture, did it feel like you were like, ah, I get this now. Oh, yeah, this is going to be exciting to share to my friends and family. Did anybody think that? Why? Because you are focusing, you are contemplating on the theme. So listen to what she says. The greatness of its themes, the dignified simplicity of its utterances, the beauty of its imagery, quicken and uplift the thoughts as nothing else can. No other study can impart such mental power as does the effort to grasp the stupendous truths of Revelation. The mind thus brought into contact with the thoughts of the infinite cannot but expand and strengthen. Beloved, I I guarantee you that what I'm giving you here is the number one thing you can do to enhance your mental ability to grasp the deep things of God. Not a concordance. Yes, a concordance will help. But not a concordance. Not the commentaries. All those things are vital in terms of understanding the scriptures and doing what you can do to study. We're going to talk about those things tomorrow. Uh, Emmanuel Beck has talked about those things already. But the most important thing that we can do is strengthen the mind so that we can grasp the deep things of God. Those, Councils to Teachers, page 341, those who are seeking the righteousness of Christ will be dwelling upon the themes of the great salvation. Dwelling upon the what? The themes of the great. The Bible is the storehouse that supplies their souls with nourishing food. As they meditate upon the incarnation of Christ, as they do what? Meditate. Let me ask you something. Isn't meditate that cursed... um, uh, new age word. As Christians, we don't meditate, do we? Do we? That's right. We don't meditate because we are Christians. And that's why many of us are so shallow. <laughs> the devil has taken the word meditate and applied it to what? To new age. 
So that Christians, oh no, we don't meditate. Really? Well, how else do you contemplate the great themes of the Bible unless you meditate on it? Are are you with me? And so, no, as Christians, we are called to meditate, not after the same way that they do it, enter your mind and don't think of anything. No, we are to meditate upon the grand themes of the Bible. They meditate upon the incarnation of Christ. They contemplate the great sacrifice made to save them from perdition. To bring in pardon, peace, and everlasting righteousness. The soul is aglow with these grand and elevating themes. Holiness and truth, grace and righteousness occupy the thoughts. Self dies and Christ lives in his servants. In contemplation of the word, their hearts burn within them as did the hearts of the two disciples while they went to Emmaus. You want heartburn? Can I tell you something? There are some times that I'm sitting down in prayer and I am meditating. And if you were to look at my face, this is what you'd see. (laughs) What? Heartburn. (laughs) Beloved, it is in those times that you set aside the things of the world And say, I am going to just sit down and just contemplate, meditate upon the theme of the gospel. Meditate upon the cross of Christ. I mean, the themes are so many. You can just pick something. I think I want to meditate on uh, Christ's incarnation. No, I think today I'm going to meditate on, on his love, his immeasurable love. And beloved, it is as you sit down and spend not one minute. You know what New Agers know? New Agers know. You ever, you ever, anyone know a New Ager that meditates? Well, you know that, that you know, when they meditate, I'll tell you that to them, like 20 minutes of meditation is... Warm-up time. Okay, you, you, didn't, you, didn't, <laughs> no, you didn't get that. 20 minutes of meditation is simply empty your mind. It's kind of like drilling, you know. You, when you begin drilling, you know you're not getting deep. You, you have to spend time going deeper and deeper and deeper. They understand, yeah, 10, 15 minutes, that's just like my stretching. You know what we do as Christians? In our exercise, spiritual exercise program, we stretch (laughs) and never get to the workout. (laughs) What you doing? Stretching. Oh, 10 minutes of warm-up. Oh, oh, do my jumping jacks. Amen. All right. You're going to work out? No, no, I I stretched already. That's what we're doing. We're warming up, but we never get to the place where the Spirit of God can begin to penetrate our minds and reveal to us things that are just absolutely... Let me tell you something. When I began studying like this, I began discovering things that I knew for a fact I would not have discovered if I had spent 30 years on my own without the Spirit studying the same thing. I have a quote here. Let me try to find it. You have heard this before. Maranatha, page 23. God can teach you more in one moment by his Holy Spirit than you could learn from the great men of the earth. Beloved, do you realize that one of the reasons why we are not going deeper in the word of God is because we're not taking the time to contemplate. Give it to me some other way. Give me a concordance. Okay, I can give you a concordance, but that would be the equivalent of like, you know, studying the Bible without praying. You can study the Bible all you want, but if you don't pray before you study, you're going to get less out of it than if you prayed before you studied. 
And if you prayed one minute before you studied, you'll get less out of it than if you prayed five minutes before you studied or ten minutes before you studied. However, there is an even deeper way to study than praying and then studying. It is praying and studying. It is going down. Yes, there are times that I'll have my Bible in my hand and I'm and I'm praying. But as I'm praying, the Lord is beginning to bring scriptures together in a way that I know I would have never connected myself. Do, Do you understand? This thing really boils down to your connection with God and your willingness to have the Spirit of God expand your mind. And we know, please, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we don't need, a, you know, need other tools. And of course, anything, you know, some people are kind of afraid because, well, how do you know if what you come up with is in the Bible? Well, you test it by the Bible, Right? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. So, so you know that if you begin to think or contemplate of something that cannot be proven by the word of God, what you're thinking on and what you're contemplating on is junk food. You're wasting your time. Your mind is actually getting bloated, not <laughs> expanding. Right? So we begin to understand that, 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 that in order for us to exercise the mind so that it can become strong enough to grab heavy things is that we must spend time contemplating the mind, contemplating the grand themes of the Bible. Council of Teachers, page 462. The Bible is its own expositor. Scripture is to be compared with Scripture. The student should learn to view the Word as a whole and to see the relation of its parts. I love this. Remember, you know what we did yesterday? We looked at the great controversy as a what? Whole. And then we looked at the relation of each of its parts. We saw the whole picture and then the millennium made more sense to us. And the fall from heaven made more sense to us because it was all connected to the big picture. Let me say something about big pictures for a moment. And I have to tell you this because, uh, you know, God uses our past in a way that will glorify him. You know that? Um, I used to be a martial artist. Some of you know that. Yes? And um, some of you may have read the book that I wrote called The Christian Art of War. You know what God did? He took my martial arts background, showed me the error of it, but then showed me, look, that is really a counterfeit of a genuine war that as Christians we're called to fight. And so God took something from my past and said, I'm going to use this as an object lesson for a reality for your present. Here's why I share that. My best friend and I, when we were younger, we had these vivid imaginations. And we were movie junkies. So we would always, you know, I'm talking about like six and seven years old. His name is T. And I'd say, you know, T and I, you know, I'd say, T, all right, all right. Imagine this, right? It's me and you in the desert alone. And we're coming up with all these just crazy, you know, scenarios. We had these vivid, vivid imaginations. And always at the end of our stories, we would scream together. Ah! We just get excited. So if you wonder where I get it from. You understand? I mean, we were just, we were just, we were just, and then, you know, if we heard some, some song playing, some, you know, song that really gripped us, you hear that? Listen to this. It's me and you in the classroom. Some kind of creature busts out of the, the floor and all the kids run away and it's me and T, the only ones to defend the whole classroom. <laughs> This is the kind of <laughs> imaginations that we had, okay? They were just like, whew, uh, just 10 on the Richter scale or whatever. You, I, I mean, it was just out there. 
And, and, and so when I became, a, you got to understand, I mean, that's why things like Star Wars and, you know, all these different movies, they gripped me because I, I, I would consider the themes, the what, everyone? The themes, and the themes to me were so like, what? Ooh. My friend is a movie producer today, my best friend. And I just thought about it. I said, man. My best friend does not know the ultimate theme. And here we are. We've taken two separate paths. But I'm still as excited. But this time, 10 minutes, wow. But this time for something that is genuine. So you see, beloved, when I come to the word of God... I can't help but see it in panoramic vision. (laughs) You understand? I can't help but consider the themes. And it's the themes that makes me go, it's the themes that gets me excited. Because when I think now about the lake of fire, I'm not looking at it as a separate, oh, that's the doctrine of the lake of fire. I'm seeing it in light of the big picture. You understand what I'm saying? I'm seeing it in light of the theme. Beloved, in my mind, I'm hearing that, that, that. I'm seeing the scene in all its drama. I'm seeing the tears of the saints as they weep. For ones that they loved, I'm seeing the wicked as they are, they are contemplating what they have rejected. It is like And beloved, it is this thing. When you begin to see the theme, your mind begins to expand. And now when you take that mind expanded by the Spirit of God, in fact, you say, Pastor, that's imagination. Imagination is wrong. Do you know that Ellen White says that Christ reached the hearts of the people through the imagination? When I come again, I will separate the sheep from the goats. sheep from the goats think about it what kind of picture does that create in your mind it creates you're thinking sheep and goats no he's coming for human beings but Jesus says I want you to use your imagination listen Desire of Ages page 254 through the imagination He, that is Christ, reached the heart. Anybody in here have an imagination? (laughs) Do you know God tells you to use your imagination? When you meditate upon him? Isaiah 26.3 says this, That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. Anybody in here have a King James Bible? Tell me what the word for mind is in your your, uh, margin. Look in your margin and look at the word mind and tell me what you see. Or look in Isaiah 26.3. Look at the word mind. You might see a letter or a number. Tell me what word is in the margin for the word mind. Anyone have it? Just yell it out. Okay. No, you got, what does it say? Thought or imagination. That will keep him in perfect peace whose thought or what everyone? Imagination is stayed on thee. There's a reason why the devil is after your imagination. There's a reason why he's got Hollywood out there doing what they're doing. There's a reason why he's got all these video games going. Is because he knows that if he can capture your imagination so that you do not use it where you're supposed to use it, it will be impossible to expand the mind. (laughs) 
I'm getting there to the close. I'm going to skip these because I have very little time left. 15 minutes? Yes. <laughs> Woo! Excellent. So, here we go. The plan of redemption by which the merciful divine human redeemer rescued man from the thraldom of sin is beyond the comprehension of men or of angels. It is a mystery so surpassing, so grand, so sublime that we can never hope to fully understand it. Christ's sacrifice for fallen man has no parallel. It is the most exalted sacred theme upon which we can meditate. Beloved, as we begin to meditate upon these deep, heavy, broad themes, what's going to happen to our minds? They too will become broad. They too will expand. And beloved, as we apply everything we have, all of our energy, going down in prayer and using your imagination, and when the Bible talks about the children of Israel crossing through the Red Sea, you go down and like a little child, yeah? Like a little child, imagine that scenario and ask the Lord to speak to you, show you the grand theme of what it means to cross over the sea. I'm telling you, you will come out with things. You'll be like, how can I explain this? How can I put into words what the spirit of God just spoke to my spirit? Do you know how often Ellen White said, I lay down the pen because words fail me when I contemplate is the word she used. When I contemplate the grand and glorious themes of the gospel. You pick the theme and God will begin to show you incredible things. Let me, you know, I'll share this with you. I'm going to share two examples with you, then we'll close. One example. By the way, how many of you are ready to, to, to do P90? Prayer 90, right? Meditate, study, pray 90 days to a deeper you. Take a before picture and take an after picture. <laughs> and so one night I'm, I'm, uh, I'm praying. And this is a, 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 a fulfillment of that very verse. God will teach you more in a moment than you could learn in a lifetime from the great men of the world. So I'm, pr- I'm, I'm, st- I'm, uh, uh, I'm praying. Uh, one particular night or one particular morning it actually was and I remember as I was praying and listening for the voice of God and contemplating that I suddenly heard this and some of you may have heard this before bear with me I suddenly heard the voice of God in an inaudible way say to me 33 and a half years in a day I remember hearing the voice and I, I said to my I remember saying to myself 33 and a half years in a day Lord What is that? And he said it again, 33 and a half years in a day. And the second time he said it, this, it was like an explosion went off in my mind. I jumped up out of my prayer. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I got my Bible. I opened it up and I began skimming from Matthew all the way through to John. I was just skimming. As I was skimming, I was going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Wow. What? I can't believe this. I was verifying what the voice had said to me 33 and a half years in a day. And here's what the Lord showed me. That the life of Christ, which was how long? 33 and a half years is a pattern by which you and I can live out every day. So, so, think with me then. When Christ, you know, the first thing that, that when Christ, we have Christ's incarnation, Christ being born. Let me ask you, what is the first thing we are supposed to experience in the morning? We're to be what? Born again. Isn't that right? And beloved, as I went, I have an entire study called 33 and a half years in a day. 
that goes through the entire life of Christ and shows how each one of those things represents an area of our life at some point of that day. For example, towards the end of Christ's life, he partook of the last what? Last Supper. And you know, you think about the Last Supper, he gathered around his disciples. You know what, which, what, you don't, do you know what we should be doing in the evening? <laughs> As we eat, we, we should gather around our family. Do you know that, you know, after the Last Supper, Jesus went and he prayed in the garden. Do you know what we should be doing before we go to bed? praying. Do you know that as Jesus closed his Jesus went to death, you know, as we close our eyes, laying on our bed, you know, we should be praying, Father, into thy hands. I commit, watch over me, Lord. (laughs) As we sleep, we should be contemplating his death. Okay. All right, all right. And then think, come on, think with me. What, what, <laughs> what happened after Jesus' death? He was resurrected. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, 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 but, 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 remember there were Roman soldiers around the tomb trying to stop him from what? Resurrecting, But the, the angels came and said, Jesus, your father, what? Calls you. Guess what happens in the morning? <laughs> you ought to get up. <laughs> because your father calls you. And, 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 and understand that there are demonic angels standing around your bed. So as you're sleeping and the alarm clock goes off, they'll pick up your hand and hit the snooze button. <laughs> Keep him in his bed. Don't let him get up. <laughs> Are you with me? And, and, and Mary, she comes to touch Jesus. And Jesus says, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. But before we get off and go on our business and do our thing, we ought to say, don't touch me. I've not yet what? Ascended. Beloved, listen to me. God spoke that to me in one sentence. Did did you you understand what I just said? In one sentence, 33 and a half years in a day. What, Lord? 33 and a half years in a day. (gasps) God can teach you more in a moment. More in a moment. He is trying to expand your mind so that he can give you deeper truths. Exercise your minds. He wants to show you the grand themes. There is a theme of warfare in the Bible. There is a theme of the wedding in the Bible. I'll close with this. Here, this is one that I love. I've contemplated on this and I love this picture so much, you know. Um, Jesus. Let me ask you this. Have you all, any of you ever experienced, um, I got to tell you this story. My older brother, he is 6'9". And uh, he graduated from Penn State University and he was going to propose to his wife-to-be. And so here's how he proposed. It's really neat. Uh, Stacy is her name. She was graduating the year after. And so at the graduation, my brother had me and a friend of mine do this big, you know, uh, banner. And so at the graduation, Stacy is getting ready to walk across the aisle to get her diploma. And all of a sudden, this is that Penn State, all of a sudden you heard, oh! And then people start pointing, and they're pointing up in the bleachers, and there's my brother, 6'9", with this banner unfolded, Stacy, will you marry me? And that's the way. Everybody. (laughs) 
So listen, women, have you ever, have you ever met a, a guy? You know, he, it might be your husband right now. And when you first saw him, you're like, I don't like you. <laughs> and he's like, you know, man, she looks really pretty. I'm going to, I want to try to, hi. You're like, no, you're not my kind. I don't like you. <laughs> you're ugly. Leave me alone. <laughs> and he's undaunted. <laughs> I think she's just playing hard to get. <laughs> And he keeps trying, and you're, you're telling your friends, like, you're sitting at a restaurant, and there he is outside the window. <laughs> you know, and then, and then one day, he does that thing. We don't know what that thing is, but it was that thing, you know? That thing thing. And that thing made you go, oh. He, he is kind of cute, you know. Yeah? Anybody ever had that experience? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We're talking about themes. We're talking about themes. Jesus saw a girl that he liked. He came down to earth and said, uh, hi. And that woman said, sorry, <laughs> you're not my type. And Jesus stepped back and said, I think she's <laughs> playing hard to get. <laughs> and so he tries again. And she says, I said you're not my type. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not interested in someone like you. And Jesus loves this woman so much, he says, I'm not giving up. I just think she's playing hard to get. And you know, this woman begins to get frustrated. And she says, I said, you're not my type. Leave me alone. And this woman begins to spit on Jesus. And she begins to beat him and kick him. And Jesus, you would think he would back off. And he says, she, I know, I know if she could just get to know who I am. And she says, I don't like you. And listen, just to show you how much I hate you, she takes out a hammer and nails him to a cross. And Jesus the romantic that he is, in the moment of her greatest hatred, unfurls the banner before a watching universe. Will you marry me now? Beloved, listen to me. The cross is Christ's proposal to humanity. Themes. Things that put the gospel in perspective. Beloved, listen to me. When we're taking the gospel to the world, we're simply taking the proposal. This is how much Jesus loved you. This is his banner. Will you marry me? Let me ask you a question. When somebody proposes to you, are you married? No. You're only engaged. When are you officially married? After you exchange wedding vows.
Think with me, church. What are the wedding vows of Jesus? Okay. And so, do you promise to have no other gods before me? I do. <laughs> do, you, do you promise not to bow down before graven? I do. Do you promise not to take my name in vain? I do. Do you promise to keep my Sabbath holy? Um, hmm. Imagine with me that you're standing before the altar with your spouse to be. And when the minister says, do you promise to take this man uh, or this woman uh, in sickness or in health? Sickness? That bride has a fist balled up, right? (laughs) And then you're like, okay, go on. Do you promise to have no other women? Er, What? No other women? Honey, did you put that in the vows? Don't you think that's being a little bit legalistic? I mean, laws, what do we need? What do we need laws like this for? Guess what the world is saying? Guess what the churches are saying when they're saying, we don't want these laws. They're saying, we're rejecting the wedding vows. Why? Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The equivalent of saying that the law of God is legalism and bondage is like saying the marriage vow is bondage. You really think that I could be faithful? You really expect me to be faithful all my life. Like, seriously, no other women? Isn't that legalistic? <laughs> Do you see when you paint a picture? Ah, next time somebody says it's okay to break the law of God, give them that theme and see what they think about it. Can I share something with you? We're closing, I promise you. Do you know that the Bible says that we should bind the commandments of God upon our fingers? A wedding. God does want us to wear jewelry, in a sense. He wants us to bind the law of God upon our fingers. But guess what? What finger is the ring finger? With this commandment, I be wed. You want to know who the true bride is? Show me your finger. (laughs) Show me your finger. The devil says, my goal is to take that ring off of your bride. I want to take that commandment away from her. You want to know who the true church is? Is she wearing the commandment of God upon her finger? You see, beloved, as we take time to contemplate the deep things of God, as we allow God to take our imagination and say, Lord, use it to your glory, I guarantee you, you will come out of prayer like John the Baptist's father came out of the temple speechless have you been fed are you excited P90 Take your before and after pictures. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we need our minds expanded. Father, we know that there are tools that you give us that we can use to help expand and to deepen our study. But the most critical thing we can do, the most crucial thing we can do is to sit at your feet and to allow your spirit to expand and exercise our minds as we meditate upon the grand themes of the gospel. Father, give us a desire like never before to read through the desire of ages again, to read through the great controversy again, to read through the word of God, to read through Christ's object lessons. Lord, that we can get the pieces that we can put together to form the whole picture and Lord, expand our territory that we might be different. That we might truly understand the deep things of the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com. Thank you and God bless.